Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Love Yourself Fiercely. I'm super excited for you guys to hear today's guest. Amy Sinha is, she has an incredible story. And now she does something super cool. So she is a voiceover artist um, who's really taken the leap into the online space and doing voiceovers throughout the pandemic. And I'm so happy you're here, Amy. I can't wait for you to share your story. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very excited for this podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's hop right into that. Why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction of who you are and then share a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Oh yeah. Well, I live in Swansea in South Wales in the United Kingdom and I'm a singer, voiceover artist, as you said, presenter, songwriter. I do. And I just do everything with my voice. I love I love using my voice in any way I can. And I love helping people with my voice. And I think that's actually who I am. So that is who I am. <laughs> and I love it. I love it because your story, you know, really just, you had to find your way to really be comfortable sharing your voice and standing in your power within your voice. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I struggled from um, a lot of disabilities since I was very young. So I had cat tracks at the age of one um, and they were, I, I was in India at that time and they saw the cloudiness in my eyes and I wasn't moving. I was just sitting still. So we came to, well, we, I was living in the UK anyway. And um, the hospital, the, the amazing, amazing doctor at the hospital who had managed to save a little bit of my eyesight. But then since that time, I've had to wear these really massively thick glasses tied with string uh, which wasn't the best. Um, and then at the age of four, I got diagnosed with um, a rare disorder called sensory neuropathy type two, because um, my parents were noticing that I was burning my hands and I was hurting myself all the time. And what that syndrome is, is that I can't feel hot or cold anywhere throughout my body. And I can't feel superficial pain, which means I don't know when I've cut myself unless I see the blood or there's a deep infection. Um, and then also with that syndrome, it meant that I developed um, kind of similar to osteoarthritis um, and I couldn't actually walk. Well, it, I was struggling to walk by the time I was 13. And um, it also meant that it affected my spine. So then I stopped growing at the age of 11. So all of these things mixed together didn't really make for um, a confident young, young girl going into, you know, teenage years. So that was quite difficult. Yeah. And I, you know, we shared this in our screening interview, but I said that I wanted you to speak to that because your journey is, is powerful. And there are so many people, um, that listen to this, that are mothers with children with disabilities, but also mm. are women with disabilities themselves. And you had a really difficult beginning of life. That's one medical problem over another. And now we're talking being a preteen girl who's, you know, starting to develop hormones and like, like other people and, and grow into your own and enter adolescence. And there's so much that comes with that. And now you're feeling a lack of confidence and, and a lot of, um, you know, self-esteem issues I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so what did that look like for you as, as you grew up, did you find yourself really, um, introverted and shy or were you able to find your way, um, younger in life? Share that a little bit. Yeah, no, I was shy. I was very shy growing up. I mean, I had two older sisters, which was lucky. And one of them was only two years older than me. So whatever school I tended to be in, she was there for the most part. So I kind of, I guess, looked to her 
most of the time when I was very young to kind of play with and I wouldn't play with any other kids mm-hmm. um, and and I was shy for a long time I would only talk to people I knew or family members I wouldn't put myself out there and talk to random strangers uh, so it was it was difficult I mean it it was a progress I was a work in progress um, and I think by the time I got to 16 something happened I'm not really sure what happened I think before that I mean I can remember just struggling I mean there were amazing times I mean I I kind of think back and I always say oh you know my life was so so difficult and it was horrible but actually when I look back again well no it wasn't even though I was struggling mm-hmm. I did have great times because you know as I said I've got two sisters I was very musical we had that going on um but then at, at, I think at 16 I kind of wanted to live rather than exist um and I think that was then the changer, the game changer when that happened. And I left, I was in a private school up until that point because it kind of met all my needs that I needed. It was small. Um, they did everything in large print for me. So they helped me out a lot, but they weren't very musical really. They had like a choir and orchestra, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I wanted something that, like, that I really resonated with. And so I went to a college um, at 16 and where I could study music, music technology. And that's when things really changed and that's when I started to gain more confidence and then from that time it was a slow it was progress but it was a slow day by day progress to get to where I am now mm-hmm. so it was it was very gradual mm-hmm. and I you know good on your parents for for always just letting you lead because as a parent of a child who has high needs it can probably be pretty scary to say oh sure we created this safe environment where we know that your school system is going to take care of you and meet your needs to go out into the world and shine. Um, and I love that you highlighted, you know, I struggled, but my life was great. And I think that speaks volumes to the conversation around self-love. Some of us have had some pretty significant trauma within our homes, but a lot of us had a really great upbringings where we had love and we had great times and we had fun and the self-love journey was difficult with the external world. And I think that's really where your journey was, was how the external world was welcoming to you and your needs and your greatness and all of it. So tell us what happened from the time you went to college and found music. I'm sure that was totally your element. And kind of walk us through how you ended up in voiceovers. <laughs> yeah, no, it was my element. And I loved jazz when I was growing up as well. I loved watching films because my my body was so restricted in movement. So I used to watch a lot of a lot of films, a lot, a lot of TV. I used to watch a lot of um, American soap operas. Love them so much. <laughs> That's how I thought life was going to be. <laughs> not so much nope. um no <laughs> so yeah so they uh, they kind of encouraged me with the jazz element of it and they encouraged me to um, audition for music college so up until that time I thought that unless you made it in the pop industry you didn't you wouldn't have a career in music uh but they kind of said no no that's not the case and you know go to music college and you can study performance and so I did I, I auditioned to quite a few music colleges but I got into Leeds College of Music and they had the best jazz department in the country um which again was scary because it's like seven hours away from where I live Mm. um that was a struggle for everyone for my parents as well they didn't really want me to go and I was like I was I was really scared but what happened I think the fear manifested when I was about to go the first year 
um, I, I was uh, rushed into hospital with um, ulcerated colitis and mm. I nearly, nearly almost had an operation taking out my colon, which would have been a major setback um, yeah. to where I got to. But luckily, thank God, um, I didn't. They tried this new medication that kind of saved me from that. Um, but then that year was, was a big year because then I had to heal and learn to cope with it because up until that point actually my my stomach was fine but then from that point onwards I would get random stomach cramps like really intense after eating or just randomly so then not only did I have to like handle everything else it was it was coping with that and and that in itself again was really difficult um so then after that it, it was even more of a struggle to yeah. to want to go so I auditioned to some close places but it wasn't what I wanted and I, I just wasn't right for me. So I had to make the move. Um, I have to thank my older sister for that because she really helped me. My parents didn't want me to go. Um, but so if it wasn't my older sister, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone because she took me there. We found a place to live, which was close by that I could do. And then we actually helped. Uh, we got help from the council who helped me, who came to see me um, every week and helped me with shopping and just normal kind of basic yeah. tasks. Um, again, I, I don't think I would have been able to navigate that first year if I hadn't so um yeah it was again I did it but it came every day was hard and it came with struggle yeah Um, but yeah (laughs) I think you know I think that speaks to your tenacity though right it speaks to your desire to follow your heart because that is scary that's scary for you know an adult woman let alone a teenage girl who's navigating her way that far away from her family so take us through college. Once that ended, what did, what did your career look like? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So it's it great. But then it was a little bit um, stagnant. So when I graduated, um, unfortunately in Leeds, they didn't have a placement for you to go to. So you either studied to become a teacher or they were like, oh, well, go on the cruise ship. So I did not want to do either because I just spent three years on performance. It was about performing. So I came back and I was quite depressed um, for maybe about a year. I went to the, we have a job center here and I tried to do anything but music because I just couldn't see my way in. And, and, and obviously I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for anything else. I wanted to go into fashion, but then I had to have a, a whole fashion degree for that. So we kind of found me um, something in music, which was called Women in Jazz, and they had an office and they also had a practical side to it, which was educating girls um, into jazz and, and women in big band because women in jazz is not wasn't that great. It's very like everything male dominated. So it was great to have a place for just women. And that actually gave, helped me out a lot. And it gave me my first taste of radio, especially BBC Radio Wales. And I had to go. They wanted somebody. They were like, Amy, why don't you go? So I was um, a panelist on a music show. Um, and that started kind of like the presenting and, and it, it was, it was really cool. So, and then from then, I think um, I wanted to get into, we had a great jazz scene in Swansea where actually it was less a known place, but all the top musicians used to tour here. Oh. So again, with my parents' help, they came with me first of all for a first few weeks to, to see how it was. And then I kind of went every Wednesday on my own and the people who run it, they were just so supportive. They're like, oh, she just graduated from music college. Is it okay if she sings with you? So I did like a few songs and that's how I got my name known. Like the Ronnie Scott's players, they'd come to Swansea and even American players, they'd come here as well. They have jazz festivals. And that kind of, that's how it started to grow and develop, um, getting my name out there as well. So it was funny how I didn't have to go 
anywhere because I was so restricted and yet people kind of came to me and and yeah it's quite surprising how that happened yeah but that's amazing you know it's it's like I love that that happened for you and I love that you found different ways and because I'm a true feminist I really love that there was an organization that was really you know about allowing women to rise in in jazz music and and teaching young girls that there's power in, in following your heart. If jazz is your thing, there's a place for you. So performing, you did that for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that for quite some time. I actually started doing it when I was 16, 17, because we'd go to these open mic nights and all my friends would come and I'd perform with live musicians. Um, so I've been performing. Yeah. Since that time. And I, you know, I love performing. Um, I was never very good with backing tracks. Um, I know a, a lot of people like just to go out there on their own and just perform with with the track. But I just used to feel um, like I, I didn't like it just me on my own. I loved the interaction with the musicians and I loved having company and somebody to share that whole experience. So I really pushed that and I joined a lot of bands and we toured quite around the place. And then I wrote my own music um, because I realized just being a singer wasn't going to cut it. And again, it was it was a little bit depressing having to compete with so many other singers um, much better than me. And, you know, I've, I've got a great voice, but so many people of different different types of music. And then when you're comparing yourself, it kind of brings you down. And in the music industry, you're going to compare yourself because that is just the way it is. So I kind of had to start writing my own music to make myself uh, a little bit known in a unique sense. So I'd have a little bit of um, an edge and that, that did happen. So I wrote, I wrote an album, I recorded it, put it out there, put it on iTunes. And that's when, again, I started to go to the next level because then I started to perform on, again, it was BBC Wales. Um, I got to perform all different types of radio stations up and down the country. And I even went to Luxembourg and went to the radio station, was interviewed and performed on there as well and and even internationally it kind of got picked up by radio and um so yeah and then and then actually yeah <laughs> remembering all of this I kind of uh, social media has been really handy so when social media came about I think I used Instagram I was kind of posted 30 seconds and then posted on Facebook and this guy from New York saw that and he was running his own record label so then he was like would you like to collaborate so I released um, a couple of jazz singles with him and his label uh, which was brilliant. So it kind of made, yeah. you know, when things happen internationally, then everyone starts talking about it, you know, in your own yeah, country. Incredible. So, yeah, that was brilliant. And then the pandemic. Then the pandemic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but funnily enough, before the pandemic, I think it was about 2018. So I kind of stepped away from the jazz a couple of years before that. And um, I really got into country rock and world music. So I kind of uh, recorded uh, a few singles based on that which was brilliant again it was just a really I got to do a duet because I always wanted to do a duet so I'm kind of ticking off things that I wanted to do put it out there but then it kind of it started to get hard um it was just all about the next the next thing the next thing and 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 they weren't very like to make a living out of it it's just it, it's kind of tricky because venues don't want to pay um, and it doesn't matter how much experience you have, how well known you are, they will want to give you the least amount of money for the most amount of work. And I didn't want to do it anymore. It just got it just got me down. So around 2018, I kind of was starting to look for something else. But it's only until 2019, the latter part, that voiceovers came to my attention. I think my sister told me one day she was having a meeting with somebody and they use voiceover artists. And because I spoke 
a lot. I was doing a bit of presenting. And when I was on the radio giving interviews, everyone wanted me to do links and stuff. And I never really thought much about it. It didn't really occur to me, but other people were saying it. So I was like, all right, okay. So I thought I'd set up a little studio um, and then just record show reel. When I do something, I kind of go all in. If I'm going to do it, I kind of yeah. go head first. So recorded my show reel, found loads of places that I could send it to, joined an agency and took it from there. And then the pandemic hit. And I thank God that I actually yeah. started to do that before. And I think maybe I'd known, I don't know, maybe it was an intuition that I had. Yeah. And tell us some of the stuff that you've been, some of the voiceovers that you've been doing. Yeah, it's really good. So I found out that I'm really good at children's voices, <laughs> which is really great. <laughs> um, so I've done a few animations for kids. Um, I've also done international voicemail for, for companies, um, explainer videos for websites, um, radio adverts um, and things like that I actually just did um, an internal dialogue for Kellogg which was really good <laughs> that's really cool very random um, yeah so it's kind of like different different things so I'm kind of just trying to see where where um what what my favorite aspect is mm-hmm. and then take it from there <laughs> and so tell me what that feels like having you know shared your story you've been a performer you've been a writer you've been um, you've toured, you've gone international. Now you're doing voiceovers. Like talk to me about the evolution of the power of your voice. And I don't mean literally, but your evolution within self-love of how you really were able to embrace the power that you hold within your voice. Yeah. And I think it was hard, um, when I was younger, I never wanted, cause I was in and out of hospital. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a turbulent time because I couldn't just enjoy being a child or a teenager. I have to plan for things. Even now I can't go away. I have to take my contact lenses. Um, it's it just, it takes a lot of planning for me like traveling physically wise. So whenever I used to meet people, I never really talked about any of my health issues. So I was holding myself back for quite a long time, especially with people, even my friends, they, they you know, it took over time for them to learn things about me. Um, and then, over the past year, I kind of, I think something happened and I met somebody online and, and I didn't want to be that way anymore because I felt like I was just not, when I was not being myself and I just felt scared to tell people because maybe they'd react in a different way. And I almost felt ashamed for having all of these disabilities when actually it's not my fault. I don't, you know, I haven't asked for it. So um, I don't know where the shame thing came from, but I kind of, kind of worked through it over the past year and I, I didn't want to whenever I thought about my past I, I used to cry and, and I just couldn't couldn't deal with it so I wanted I didn't want to be that person so I kind of used the past year of the pandemic to kind of kind of deal with it and and talk about it and um it's been it's been amazing because I don't have to you know I can speak about things and I don't have to hide who I am and if people like me they like me if if they don't, then there's nothing I can do about it. And that that's been a struggle, not people, people not liking me because I've always tried so hard for people to like me, um, even as, on a subconscious level, especially with the music, no one's going to like you. You know, I've used to get negative, negative comments all the time, which used to be hard. Um, so not having to hide and, and, and being okay with that has been a journey and being able to talk about it without crying. And the first time I did it, I, I really did. I couldn't get above the yeah. first stage, which wasn't even the hardest bit. Um, to talk about so it has and 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 I guess that relates to everything with the voice hold um funnily and ironically enough that and everything is to do with your inner voice to speak your truth to be authentic we know that's the 
great keyword right now, authenticity. Everyone wants to know behind the person. If you, even when you're doing business, people want to know, well, what do you do in your spare time? You know, what sort of music do you like? Not what can you do for us? You know, and what, what is your personality like? How can you help other people? I think that that's the key, key to it. Um, rather than how any, anybody else is going to help you mm-hmm. so if you look at it from that because I, I love helping people and I think that's really come out over the past year um, and I do I have loads of things to give whether before I never thought I had anything to give and I've learned that I do I do I am valued to this world and you know I have, I have a lot to offer so absolutely yeah. I love that and you know that's what I call the self-discovery journey right? Where we start to really, really go inwards and say, okay, what, what kind of shame am I holding on to, and how can I really step into my truth? And it sounds like you did that and you, uh, you released, you know, and you said, I don't even know where the shame came from. I do. I, I think it's just, we look to the external world to always tell us we're enough. And I don't know what it's like to have physical disabilities, but I know what it's like not to, and have that much judgment from the external world. And as children, we pick up on that and we determine that there's something wrong with us. If people don't like us, or if we make things difficult, or if we're too much or not enough, right. We start to, as particularly as young girls, I think that's where it begins. And then we change who we are. We mold who we are as we grow in order to fit in. And then we reach this part in our stories where we're like, how much of who I am is my truth? And how much of who I am is really just about other people telling me I'm enough. And we can all use different language for that. But it, you know, and it sounds like that's what you did. You said, I'm tired of hiding who I am. I'm tired of holding this shame. I'm tired of being afraid that other people won't like me. And I'm just ready to be who I am. And I, for one, am here for that, right? I'm here for the movement of who are we as people? Because so many of us have been hiding who we are for so long. It's time that we just stand in our truth and be proud of who we are as women. Um, because each one of us has, you know, a story to share and that, and that is why I wanted you to share yours here. Your story is one of overcoming, you know, really just day-to-day challenge of having the world accept your, your medical things that have happened throughout your life and, and create an actual place where you were safe to go to learn, to grow, to do right. So there's that physical piece of breaking down stigma. And then also that coming to self moment where you were like, people are going to love me for me from this moment forward. And if they're not then I don't want that in my world anymore. So I want to take a moment to congratulate you on that journey and that piece, because it is hella empowerment, right? When we get to that place, we're like, no one can take this away from me now. Yeah, no, and you're right. I mean, fitting in has been a massive challenge and I've always felt, oh, I don't fit in, I don't fit in. And then, well, I don't want to fit in, <laughs> but you get to that, you know, you yeah. have to go through all of that. So yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. Really, it doesn't make people can fit in with me. I think that's, that's what it is rather than I fit in with, with other people. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. So tell us what's next. What's next? What? Um, I think, you know, what? I think for the whole of my life, I've always been what's next about the future um, and, and, the, I think the only one thing that I regret, obviously can't, can't change things you regret, but the one thing is, is I never really lived in the present and I was always 
because it was so restrictive. I always dreamed about the future and what my life would be like. But now I like living in the present and I just want every day to kind of fulfill me. And um, as long as I'm getting what I need every day, like fulfilling my goals or every week, I think I'm happy. And then I think when I'm, you know, we, we all know it, isn't it? I mean, we struggle to find what we want to do, but actually when we do the thing that we love, more things come of that so now I'm just taking that and embracing that which I know because it's happened all the time I just like didn't you know didn't see it and um yeah so I'm just going to go with that live every day um just being happy trying to be as happy as I can on a daily basis so So beautiful and I loved how you said that I've always been chasing the next thing so this time for me it's about the present I love that if you had one piece of advice to give our listeners what would you say Wow. Um, I would say probably that. And that if you if you chase a goal that's really, really big, um, it's not going to come to you overnight. And we all expect things. We're not very patient. No matter how patient we are, you know, you think you are, you're not. You want everything now. So if you put a goal that is so big, yes, you may achieve it in a year or two years, but it's not going to happen now. So I would say kind of take that goal and kind of split it into little segments and make them digestible so that one, you can achieve it and you'll feel so good about yourself and so proud that you'll want to get on to the next thing. And then you won't find any obstacles that are going to hinder you. So I would say that and just be happy and and be blessed with where you are right now, because it really can always get worse. <laughs> it really can. Yes. So be blessed that you are where you are and just be grateful of who you are and not want to be somebody else because you don't know what somebody else is going through. You don't know what's going through their own mind. So never look at somebody else and think their life is perfect because we think that, but it's not far, far from it. So no, but like even celebrities, isn't it? You think, oh, they're so amazing, but actually not. When you actually know what's gone behind it, it's not at all far from it so just be be glad to be who you are Mm, because you know you know how to deal with you yeah absolutely and you get to decide what comes next for you because you you know and that's be you right right that's what it comes down to be good with being who you are um i ask every one of my guests this question and so as we all navigate our journeys we start to uncover you know some of these false beliefs or limiting beliefs that we've allowed to hold us back and now where you are, you, I would think that we've worked through a lot of them, but what's one limiting belief or false belief that continues to surface for you? And what are some of your strategies to navigate back into alignment quicker than you would in the past? Yeah, I think that because of all the disabilities, when I was young, I wanted to be a pop star and like Mariah Carey, but I didn't realize, but we didn't see any disabled pop stars, one or two. I mean, even now you get one or two, but it's not like frequent and they make a big thing. Oh, we have a disabled person. Oh, you know, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not an everyday occurrence. So, um, I think, I think that is a limited belief still. I don't see a lot of disabled people making it. They're not making, you know, they're not being that inclusive as they are for women, so to speak, or for Asian and Indian. So they're making a lot of allowances for Indian people, for ethnic minorities, but not for disabled people. So I think that is a limiting belief I still have that I still, because I have all of these disabilities, it's going to be really, really hard for me to to make it or to, to get anywhere. So I come into alignment with knowing, well, I've come this far already and I have what I have. I've struggled even worse you know, growing up and I, I'm, I'm more in a happier place. So I kind of just say that to myself. And, and I think I, I, I made a list of all the positive things that I've done and all the achievements when at the time I never thought 
that they were achievements. Um, but looking back, no, they absolutely were. I've done so much that a lot of people haven't done, even like being physically able. So that I look at that and kind of remind, just remind myself of all the things I've achieved and then know that it will happen when the time is right and when I'm ready for it all to happen. Mm, I love that so much. And I love that you said when I'm ready, you know, we, I talk an awful lot here about evolution and, and we want things so badly to happen. And in my business success, what I realized is that I wanted things to happen so quickly in the first few years, but I was not ready. I had so much more healing to do and so much more self-discovery to do. And then when I was ready, it happened in hyperspeed, right? And it's that same thing. I trust that when my timing is right, the universe will support. So Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story. I would love for you to share where my listeners can hang out with you. And if you have, you know, anything that's currently up to, for them to snag in terms of an album, or, um, do you have anything coming up? that they can, you know, get their hands on to get some more of you. Oh, well, you can uh, come say hi on all my social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Clubhouse. Um, <laughs> we just type Amy Sinha in or Amy Sinha voice and it will all come up. And I've got a website at amysinha.com and it's S-I-N-H-A.com. Um, no, I have nothing. I have nothing coming up, but all my music, it's on um, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all on YouTube, have music videos um, on YouTube and you can see some of my presenting. I actually interviewed um, Clint Eastwood's son, Kyle Eastwood, which is on my YouTube channel, Miss Ace and her. Um, so yeah, just, just, just check me out. Just have my name and, <laughs> see what comes up. <laughs> and we will make sure that all those social links are in the show notes. Amy, thank you so much for being here. You are such an inspiration to all women everywhere on what it looks like to chase your dreams and really not let anything stand in your way. Um, you should be so proud of your evolution and your tenacity. You know, you, you, there are so many, um, physically able people who don't have the tenacity to chase all of the things that you've chased. So I want to take a moment to congratulate you on all of the successes over the, over your life and up until this point and all of the success, successes to come. Oh, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope you love yourself fiercely and fully today and every day. I'll see you on the next episode.